This is Shaka Art Speak. Welcome, and it's time to play What Did You Mean By That? with our host, Ian C. Hess. Hey, everybody. Hey, pleasure <laughs> to be here. <laughs> That's my game show host voice. Is that, it's pretty good. It's pretty good? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, yes. Good. So what, what are we doing, Gareth? What are we, what are we doing? This is a new... <laughs> I don't even this know. This is a I new thing we're doing with Shaco Art Speak. Um, yeah, so, um, you know, you've been with us now. I think, you know, we're hitting episode 40 at yeah. this point. Um, so you've been with us for a little bit. Uh, we've been doing this. And uh, just like most of you out there, our good friend Ian C. Hess has had some questions. But in a podcast, you don't get to really just raise your hand and follow up immediately. But he's been keeping tabs of some things. Yeah. So he's been uh, meticulously cataloging Semi. all of the questions that he's had. Um, so we're starting uh, something that will be recurring yes. with Ian, and we're calling it what? What did you mean by that with Ian C. Hess? What did you mean by and that? Because sometimes we're not clear. <laughs> sometimes we don't know what we meant by it. <laughs> and and uh, Ian is a, a, a dear friend, amazing artist. He, he's been on our podcast before, exhibited with Chaco Art Space. And um, is somewhat dialed in, and so he's he's around. He he uh, talks with us a lot. We've all been good friends for a long time. So uh, Ian's Ian's joining the band um, with his own with his own sort of uh, take on things. So welcome, Ian. Hi. Yeah, that's (laughs) that wasn't Ian. Welcome, Ian. (laughs) Was that guy? Just hey, (laughs) it's good to be (laughs) it's good to be back with you guys. And uh, you guys said it. You guys put a lot out there. All the time. Uh, every single podcast could honestly be like 90 hours if you were to expand it out <laughs> and break every th- little thing down. So I did my best here, uh, and I also tried to filter a bit because uh, there's plenty of questions that you guys bring up. You talked about it in later podcasts, and so to try to keep it more recent and also dial it into like each episode or keep like one bigger question about each episode. But often I found that you guys are tangential. <laughs> What? That's you right. guys go down what? many rabbit holes. Yeah, that's our you, vibe. I mean, I'm, this is this is blindsiding me. Yeah, there's a lot that. of rabbit holes, yeah. and to choose I just one. Rab- I mean, I'm a golfer. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm eating up your lawn, <laughs> putting holes everywhere. So I tried to. Often these questions I found had nothing to do with what the main topic was. Correct. Cool. Very correct. <laughs> so. Uh, I figure I'll just start with uh, number one. I've met as many as we yeah. can get through and we, in this and time. So here. part of the premise is we we don't know what he's going to ask us, and we won't we won't know if we can remember that we said it. <laughs> yeah, for real. And so all of that's going to be part of the fun of this um, as we continue to build out ways of developing this. Well, podcast. the good thing about this is that I only have one question, just okay. repeated, but with things in front of it. I'm yep. just going to keep asking you, what do okay. you mean by that? Okay. So I won't throw any other question your way. All right. (laughs) So I figured the easiest way was to take your words pretty much in quotes and um, decipher them. Oh, gosh. (laughs) So the first question was from Satellite Brain Debris Part 1 at the 35-minute mark. Uh, It says, in creative ecosystems, you've got to let things happen that are not under your control, including your friends. When your identity is resting on it, if these two things, which was two different groups of friends, collide, it feels like death to a stasis that you feel really good about. What did you mean by that? Mm, gosh. Um, so I'm pretty sure that was Ryan. I think that was you. Me? Yeah. Man, I was just thinking. But I throw that out there to 
both of you guys in the, yeah, in the yeah. spirit. So, I mean, yeah. it, it, you know, with that, it's, uh, I mean, it makes total sense to me uh, because, you know, I think about it in terms of this, the metaphor of, like, think about your, your work friends and, like, your friend friends, right? And then you have, like, a big old cookout because something happened. Like, I don't know. Like, when I got married, my friends and my work friends were all together, and it was, like, these two spheres of my life that felt like they were in good orbit with each other were now together, and I was having to freaking make sense of what it was like. Like, how do I introduce these people when they've kind of heard about each other yeah. in stories? But then, so that stasis gets kind of thrown off, um, which means that in that moment, there can be some identity struggles, right? Where you're just like, well, wait, what, is, what does it mean? Because I, I had a friend that always, uh, that worked with me that uh, every time I'd pick up the phone in my office, he'd be like, oh, good. I get to hear Gareth's uh, phone voice. <laughs> Which apparently is different than my normal voice, mm-hmm. um, and it is. But uh, you know, there were just like these contextual things that, um, just thinking about that stasis, like yeah. when those things come together, um, yeah. that collision can be difficult. Well, I think it's also because you're. So, if you have two scenarios, two types of people, it's almost like fabric that you're joining together to make a whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so there's edges that seem like they can line up, and then there's the edges that don't. Um, and you or I or anyone probably gets to a place with either group or both groups where you're able, you're operating out of a lot of safe assumptions. So they're, they're, you're not having to, a lot of stuff is not the forefront of your thinking because you're in the grooves of a good relationship. Yeah. And so, um, so when um, a, a kind of like a coming together of the sorts happens, depending on the number and variability, that could be multiplicitous times a hundred. Yeah. Um, all of a sudden, everything that you typically can safely assume, if you will, in relationship to either or is being brought up consciously. Mm-hmm. And now, so you're, you're, you're multiplying more in your conscious mind regarding what's in front of you and how to negotiate it back. So that can mess up what I think the stasis is, if you will, that, which yeah, is yeah. the ability to safely assume, assume a certain amount. And Everybody has to do this because we can't think about everything all at once. So we have to get to a place where we build on past precedents with each other, you know, and the danger is when we overassume and take for granted, but, uh, the overcorrection is not to then not assume anything, you know, all the time. Like, are you still Ian today? Like, you know, yeah. we have to, we have to kind of, we have to operate that way. We're contingent. So we have to operate that way. So all that to say, when you get into, um, that kind of dynamic, um, you have to let other people do the same. You can't control it. Mm, yeah. You have to let it foster and find it stitching to some to some level. The influencing you've done has enabled in a, op, op, a positive way that tension to occur, and it's up to everyone else collectively to sort of parse that up and create the stitching, if you will. Yeah, and you know I think about it in terms of like what we talked about um, last episode about collaboration, even, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, uh, you know, if we come together and it's like, all right, like Ryan, you're a painter, I'm a designer. And we said, we're going to collaborate on something. Well, we might both be so tightly holding on to our identity in those ways mm-hmm. that when we come together, we're just kind of making some crap that's kind of Frankenstein together. Right. So it's yeah. not like productive or healthy because we're holding on to that identity as ourselves individually, sure. or I'm coming in saying, Hey, I want to do this cool thing. And I need a painter to just kind of do the work, but not yeah. actually be involved yep. collaboratively with me and so I think it you know it kind of gets at that too is that uh, if I hold so tightly to that identity that I have in these things when I start to move into other groups with other folks whether it's collaborative or whatever 
I might actually miss out on a whole lot of really good things because I'm holding way too tightly to something that I should be a little bit more loose-fisted with. Yeah. What do you What do you think, Ian? For me, when I was hearing it, I think a lot of it has to do with just authenticity. Like I find different aspects of myself in a different groups of people. It's uh, yeah. I think there's a tension often of uh, how come you don't act the same with other people, and it's like, I mean, why would you? Each person that you meet is, is a whole world unto themselves. Like I was just learned this awesome word Sonder, uh, the other day when we were talking about, uh, future show names and it has, it's the idea of you're walking down the street and it's the sudden realization that every person walking past you has a life unique and as multivariant of their own. It's a whole universe in and of themselves that just pass by your pass by you when you're walking down the street and that's every single person. Yeah. And so that, that idea of like authenticity and being able to find different aspects of yourself in different people, I think gets attention when all of them come together. Cause you, the idea is to continually be yourself. I mean, you guys talk to it often and there's a, there's a lot of the podcast, I think brushes over the ideas of identity and how to hold it and how it's constantly being thrown in our face. And a lot of the notions of it, I think are being upheaved in our culture right now. And those, those ways I think are really obvious, but how, there's a a meshing of different identities in the same place, like a barbecue, like mm -hmm. you're saying. Yeah. Um, I think those things need to happen as much as possible. Like it was one of those few things that I think I did right in school. <laughs> where <laughs> I would go outside of the art school and I'd bring my work to like the engineering school. I'm just mm -hmm. be like, what yeah. do you think? Of, does this do anything to you? Like uh, it has no practical or at least it, it has practical purpose in my life. But as far as your researching of an engineer, me sitting there and doing monster paintings uh, on a canvas isn't going to elicit the same response of a well-done bridge. Um, so I think... You were, you were talking about it in the sense of collaboration and actually working mm. with each other, but I think that same sense of collaboration can work when just in, in, intermingling with different communities and bringing them together in the same space. So I guess... Well, yeah, because difference, difference doesn't mean inauthentic. Like, right. So like, and yeah. we get... So that's the thing where, you know, we'll say like, so for instance, uh, my, I may make adjustments or attunements, uh, relational adjustments. So like when I talk to my son or my seven-year-old or my 10-year-old, um, they are specific beings uh, such that at different life stages, and it means something, my, the flexion of my tone or you know, uh, how quickly I'm speaking has a lot to do with how I love them, how I care for them, and how I relate to them as they grow and they're being fostered. And so um, if you were to isolate me talking to my five-year-old from my 10-year-old, you'll hear great consistency. But also, if you're only interacting with me through one channel, it can seem very jarring. You know, so if, if somebody only hears me right this second, there's a cadence and a tone and a directness. If that's all you ever get, it's shocking when you see me, like, kiss my wife and tell a fart joke or something. Right. Like I mean, you're not yeah. going to talk to your daughter the same way you'd talk to your boss. Exactly. <laughs> so that doesn't, those differences are not necessarily about whether or not I'm authentic. Although there are those that overstress that in, in authentic ways, but that has to do more with deception and not being forthright with intentions and angling for things. I mean, so we're, we, we end up, we're, we're just too complicated, too, um, too, too full of nuance and uh, variation and you know, fluctuation in certain respects to always boil folks down. You know what I mean? Like we're just too we're just too too multifaceted for that, um, and so there's these like heat checks, 
You know, you just got to check in with your conscience and, and you know if you're being a jerk or not or if you're being dis- dishonest or inauthentic, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but also, I think the big one in there is like backing off of controlling it. Yeah. Like yeah. you can't double down on trying to force things that can happen organically in the uh, sort of the the, or the uh, cultivative milieu, you know, like yeah. you, you do work was, and you set it in motion. I was talking to a person yesterday who's uh, working on a project based around some COVID-19 stuff. And what they found is that as they started the project, that's grown to a lot more people. And, um, you know, he, he was really sharing with me that he was – he was having a struggle. He was trying to figure out, like, he was like, you know, I need like a management philosophy that will help me with all of this. And I was like, I mean, maybe, maybe that's what it is, or maybe you just need to let people do their own work. Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes the best management is not over managing. Yeah, you know, and I think that's what this gets at. So yeah. it's, you know, and the, the the control thing is tough because you want to make sure that everything is completely the way it should be because you have a mindset or a goal in mind for what that terminus is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but who's to say that, that terminus is good or yeah, complete right. or finished right. or even something you're able to do, right? Or yeah. worth or good. Yeah. So maybe that's more the question is what is the balance of being, I don't want to say in control, but on top of manifesting projects like being, I mean, you've talked a lot about, um, like being a visionary isn't the same of owning an idea mm, uh, in yeah. the same sense. And so, it's like when you're trying to make things happen with a lot of people, I mean, there's every single schedule that goes into it and, and everybody's own life each and unique as, as possible that each one is. Um, it's like, how do you not force things? Basically, if you really want something to happen, it's like, I guess. And also the other part of the question more so was like, how, how does the stasis exist for each person? Like, what is it that is in a stasis? Is it you in your identity and how you see yourself? And when you speak to other people, it's reflected in a, in a way, like either you're confirmed as who you are, or things apart yourself are absolutely denied. You know, I, I guess the balance of making things happen and, um, being in, in your own right, making things that happen that you'd like to happen. I think that's a heart of the question or I'm rambling. Yeah. I mean, I think it's tough, right? Because it's, it's so, I think <laughs> I mean, the word that keeps popping up in my head is just what Ryan said about nuance. Um, there's so much nuance to it. Right. Um, and I think what it means is that we always have to be learning more about the people we're doing work with in like real ways. Right. So when we talk about know and be known, um, it's not just like, Oh, Hey, you're Ian C. Hess and I'm Gareth Blackwell. Okay, cool. We know each other now. No, it's like, we've known each other for dude. It's like almost 10 years. Um, and so, you know, and, and in 10 years, do we know enough about each other that we just say, ah, we're good enough. We can do this. No problem. I've had my fill of Gareth. (laughs) We're done here. Um, but you know, that's a wrap. (laughs) That's one of those things where even like within a, within a project, I think you need to even think sometimes about the project as a third party. Right. It's like, you know, cause we, we talked about being like in, in service to the work that we do, uh, you know, in service to, uh, like the communities we're in and the things that we're doing. And so if I entered into a collaboration with someone and it's a one-on-one collaboration, like I've got a collaboration with the person, but also it means that we're creating a work that only the two of us can do, mm-hmm. you know? So it's, um, I think a lot of times we do kind of want to go some easy ways and we want to say, well, give me a process. Cause if I've got my five steps, then I know I'm doing it right. And it's like, yeah, maybe you're not. Or like, hey, give me a, a list of boxes to check so that once I check them, I know I've done it and I'm good. And it's like, mm, maybe you haven't. 
Um, <laughs> but if we kind of go into it with more organic sense and say, no, I actually care about the person I'm collaborating with and I care about the work we're creating, then I think what that does is it frees me up to, again, have a little bit looser fist with things and say, well, I could mm. let go of that or I could hold on to that because I really, really do believe in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's the, helpful, I think. The know and be known is partly the answer in that, like the way I think you're getting at it, Gareth, because if you're asking, okay, so if you, the way that you pose the question is helpful in the sense that if you're saying, if we're saying that, like, how do you maintain a stasis? Is that, a, is that a, it's like the locus of stasis. Is that in you? Is that in the relational dynamic? Is that, mm -hmm. so that's probably a multi sphered possibility, kind of like the way people can come together in for an orchestra so they all play instruments. They come together for a suspended amount of time and musicality is presented, right? Mm -hmm. um, so there's some kind of duration and there's the um, prior to those moments, during those moments, and then post those moments are all phases. Um, and so the know and be known part means that, so like it's not authentic, inauthentic to push. So the idea is like, oh, when are you forcing it? Okay, the embedded assumption in when are you forcing it is to force things means it's not authentic is mm. kind of the idea there. And so I would step back and say that is not necessarily true either. So um, the, the question is, um, the question is, how well do you know what you're doing yourself and mm -hmm. those you're working with so that you know when to push force? and when to not, but also when to apologize and when to not, when to yeah. seek forgiveness and when to not. Yeah. And so in the messy relationship, that dynamic equation is what you're stewarding through those phases. So there's the cultivating of the relationships, there's the stewarding through the relationships, and then there's the willingness to understand the outcome and then decide how, how long that persists for. Um, and those are, they're like overlapping conditions that are relational. So they're organic. They're, they're not, uh, rigid. They're not wooden. Um, and they, you know, the whole point about know and be known means that, uh, if I'm knowing you, I also have to keep getting to know you because if you're a lifelong learner, you're going to keep learning such that you will be changing as, am, as am I. Yeah. So there has to be built in check-ins. You have to build in communication to check in with each other. Um, you know, and yeah. so so that so there's the sense where I I have a reasonable amount of settledness within me. That's the contentment piece. That is prior to those working relationships. When I come into those re working relationships, it's certain things are settled for me. In other words, I'm not working for the approval of others in in terms of the totality of my value and self worth, but I am working for the agreement and approval of others regarding what we've we've determined to do together and and so it's a it's a heart disposition and so the outcomes can look almost twin mm -hmm. but the heart disposition can lead to some being discontent and others being oblivious to the discontentment because all outward appearances look like we did what we said we were going to do uh but if you not if you're not if your motives were disguised even possibly to yourself sometimes. So sometimes you don't realize your motives were off until you've, you've gone through the process. Oh, yeah. You got what yeah. you wanted and you're completely miserable. And then mm -hmm. you're like, wait, uh, why am I so miserable? I did everything I thought I wanted to do. <laughs> okay, yeah. so what, what options do you have at that point? We gotta think about the, the, the process and if you agree that it was reasonable and the outcome was decent, 
you know, I made the work I want to make. I got the show I wanted to have. I, I got the curator writer this article about me in Art in America. Like I, you know, I got, I'm working at this great design place, like whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, then you got to go back to your motives. You got to go back and just try to search it out with someone like what, you know, where you feel safe to do it and say like, did I have some dishonest motives? Am I like confusing, yeah. you know, success, success for something that it's not. And, and that's a, not a, know. that's not a nine day thing. No. It's also not real quick. I mean, no. like looking back on 15 years of a career, like there are things in the last year that I've only realized from 15 years ago. Totally. And it's not because I'm just sitting over here being just like blind and being like, everything's fine. Um, it's, it has a lot to do with the fact that, um, when it comes down to it, it takes a long time for us to learn and it takes a long time for us to learn people. And so we have an immediacy that I think is not the most beneficial thing within the arts. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. you, you, you hear some painters talk about the fact that they, they lived with paintings in their studios for years. Right. Or uh, designers who worked on typefaces for years, you know, and we're just like, wow, that's just some dedication. Like, mm-hmm. But I think that's kind of, I mean, that dedication is central to the work of any artist or designer mm-hmm. who's in it for the long haul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, got to be careful what you ask for. You just might get it. <laughs> yeah, for True. real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I want a career in the arts, and oops, it lasted 50 years. <laughs> <laughs> oops, nailed it. <laughs> I did it again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's, uh, number two. <laughs> Uh, so this one, I... Number two's always stink. Number two's a stinky one, because this is a real long stinky one. Uh, it ended up kind of becoming a two-parter, because I realized that the question... (laughs) Those are the worst! Two-parter tutor! I call those unfinished business. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) And so, the first part of the question is, these were both Ryan quotes, because I I realized that you're, you're kind of talking about the same thing, in these two different quotes. So I'll start with the first one. The first one is from Brother, Can You Spare Some Confidence, part one, at the 440 mark. Uh, and you said there is a cultural pressure on the work of an artist to bring to bear the individual in a hyperbolic sense. I said, what did you mean by that? So when I, I'm listening through and I'm going back a little bit farther, uh, I got to back to satellite brain debris, which is definitely some of my favorite ones that you guys ever did, the part threes, or part one, two, and three of that. At the one hour, 25 minute mark, this, all right, here's a doozy. Uh, All right, I want to do something that makes me happy, but I need to believe that I'm super important. You're quoting some expectations um, of an individual, and both of those things exaggerate each other. They scale up. They scale up in a context that appears to be moving faster and faster, which means you have less and less time to make that so, which means it capitulates sitting in a room hoping for a kind of divine intervention of sorts, a kind of holy other encounter with inspiration that renders you transformed an immediately recognizable way such that it confirms <laughs> such that they confirm it such that you produce things that transacts a significance and value and meaning and now a personal utopia follows a cornucopia of that that just spills out oh god Dude, so di- what diagram that sentence man I did diagram. you mean by that I, my head hurts Dude, I had to I had to search just to where the beginning of the sentence was for that I know, one. That's and a, I'm, that is a classic. You were unfolding, so Utopia spilled out of your mouth in the form of a, a beautiful word thought salad. That's so right. That's a great I, way of putting it. <laughs> Good. So, Lord. what did you mean? Because I think both of uh, those are treading on similar. You know what's water. good about this that I'm experiencing right this second is if I'm having a hard time following what I said. <laughs> I feel sorry for any. Thank you for anyone who's still listening. <laughs> Will you read the uh, the first one? In yeah, the, read it again. First one, nice and simple. There is a cultural pressure on the work of an artist to bring to bear the individual in a hyperbolic sense. Yeah, the hyperbolic sense is uh, 
it's okay. So what I was trying to do in the second one um, is show the extrapolation from the personal desire all the way out to a kind of uh, macro expectation. So from the micro to the macro would be the framework for that second, right? So we'll come back to it. So the micro macro, the hyperbolic question is to say that we can't submit to the process very well without front loading an extreme amount of uh, expectation that we can estimate as justified. So it's like, um, I have these expectations for this this action that I might do in the next moment, but it has to satisfy all this criterion. Yeah. And so then what happens is you have, it becomes hyperbolic. It's, it's not real. It's, it's a, an inflation of something small. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the needing to inflate it is to make it vivid to you. So you can grapple with determining whether or not you will, uh, will you will do it or not. Mm-hmm. And so that means oftentimes people are, buffered and fall to their own hyperbolic vision of what they must do at end of themselves before they ever do it. So then, so what happens is uh, it renders them less able to move into action and more dependent upon a divine intervention. Something has to break in that is out of my control because I'm paralyzed by an inordinate estimation of myself and the work I have to do in terms of its importance, its value, um, it's assurance that it will be meaningful, um, so that I'm not wasting my time or being perceived as less than all of that becomes too pressurized. But instead of conceding that we, you know, we billow it out. So then you get to that second statement and it's building from, um, it's stringing together the ideologies that have influenced each other from the personal to the corporate, if you will, or from the micro to the macro. Does that make, does it make sense? So it becomes even, that's to say that, if you play those two, which I love that you put those two questions together, the second question shows you how quickly you can be uh, sandwiched under the weight of that. Right. You see what I'm saying? Even just describing the situation itself is Correct. seemingly crazy. Overwhelming. In itself, just right. just like paralyzing. Right. Um, yeah, it's also, I think there's a lot of it that goes into the fact that um, we're real good at getting the cart ahead of the horse. Oh yeah, <laughs> a lot, right? So if, uh, if if the foundation for what I do in my career as a creative is the uh, the building up and glorification of my personal identity, like if we see it, we've talked about it a lot, right? If I want to if I want to wear the uniform more than I want to do the work of an artist or creative, mm-hmm. um, then what happens is I start to have that list of criteria mm-hmm. and those criteria. This is what it means for me to be doing good work, which we know as three practicing actual artists that list of like be famous be loved be rich all those things like Mm -hmm. is uh, i i haven't experienced that yet um right and it doesn't feel like a part of the daily work but then we start to look back and say well i'll only do the things that get me that Mm -hmm. and so you have people who are a year out of school and are saying things like well i'm not gonna take that job Mm -hmm. that's not getting me to the gallery in chelsea Mm -hmm. and it's like well Maybe it does mm-hmm. if you take that job like 20 times over again. Mm-hmm. Right. And then at some point you get there, right? So yeah. that, that, that hyperbolic view of self doesn't uh, also, it, it doesn't allow for space or account for the fact that like there is a growth curve between where you are and where you desire to be. Yeah. I don't have any problem with you wanting to be rich, famous. Everybody know you being in books for hundreds of years from mm-hmm. now on. Uh, that's great. But understand there's a process there. It doesn't happen tomorrow. 
Right. I think the, these end results that we're seeking for, these huge expectations that are being laid, I think they're, those are so clearly defined when you go online. I mean, all of us carry around basically the Library of Alexandria in our pockets yeah. nowadays, and there's anything you can look up is at your, your fingertips in a moment's notice. I mean, it, it's shocking that it's, you're just walking around with it, and it's you start to understand things like the infinite scroll because, like, I can't stop... Uh, engaging with the wealth of knowledge of the entire human race. Like, it's so, like, don't look at that. Instead, talk to me while we're eating green peas at dinner. You know, it's like mm-hmm. there's that tension with it as well. And so those things, I think, are so clearly defined because you can so quickly look them up that exactly what you're saying, I'm not going to take that job, or you hear it being said, uh, it's not obvious. It's not nearly as clear how each individual piece ends up influencing where you're going to end up mm-hmm. because the like the desire for the self utopia or the actual utopia can be so clearly defined in your mind that you don't see every single brick that had to be laid to pave that road but also it, it becomes sentimental to the difficulties that would inhibit it from actually happening the way you think in your mind mm-hmm. and but also then the difficulties are the opportunities that ground the work you do in reality. And so when you try to untether your ideas from that fact, then it becomes aggrandized and difficult to obtain to. If you practice that a long time, you know, there's an amendment to this kind of idea, which is um, uh, there's every person who in their mind has like an, this is, this is not going to make sense probably, but I'm just going to throw it out there. You know, I keep thinking about wrestling, WWF wrestling, WWE. Yeah, totally. They're very hyperbolic expressions yes. of, of human desire. They're amplified expressions of desire in at, to a cartoon level. Um, artists oftentimes can be trained through the academy to assume that kind of attitude. Now, it'll me saying that will rub you wrong because you're thinking about wrestlers, but your heroes are rendered that way through art history. You oh, know, yeah. so so most yeah. art heroes, Warhol, like you, you look at all these artists and they are aloof, mysterious. There's a lot that's withheld so that you get this kind of crystallized picture that is hyperbolic in a sense, like Picasso. And then, you know, and then, and then um, as you become bitter to the inability to obtain to that, then you start to look at their human failings more critically possibly because now those are the more meaningful thing and it allows for a kind of um, inverse, which is to be so self-loathing and so self-critical that you don't make. Yeah. So then you, you mature, you, so you, th- you confuse maturity for being more cynical, depressed, um, doubtful as an overcorrection for the other, whether yeah. in your own personal life or just in the, the canon of art, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I still think there's just a third way, which is to say, like, both of those can be rejected, you know, you, you, uh, in, in reset, if you will. Like, we can, re- we can examine these things, which is what this whole podcast has been about, is trying to cultivate sort of the garden of ideas that can um, be communicated repeatedly from multi- multiple angles until it starts to wash over you in such a way where you're like, oh, I, I'm good, I'm, gr- I'm a success, and it's meaningful that I'm making in my studio, in my house, in my garage. I have, we have people that have defined closets as yeah. studios, and they're doing incredible work yeah. that is uh, meaningful and impactful and so on. So anyhow, not to repeat the, you know, a year's worth of podcasts, but... Um, that's sort of like the premise end. That's why we, we have a long view for this podcast. Like that's why we would, uh, spend a year throwing seed on the ground. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? I mean, so you throw it on the ground and you wait to see what sprouts. Um, you have an idea of what seed, what packets they come from. You're, 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 and you're, you're 
then you start gardening. So that's, I mean, that's what we're, that's the phase that I think of the life of the podcast we're entering in, but also that's the kind of time it's going to take for people to even acclimate or decide if they want to hang out and listen, yeah. you know? I mean, so that's what we're talking about producing books mm-hmm. where we'll actually streamline the content, give you uh, source material, books we're reading, um, expand on ideas, clarify it. So then you can chew on it in a, in a way that doesn't negate the podcast, but they, they complement each other, mm-hmm. you know? So those will be yeah. coming out. Anyhow. That's why we're doing this. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. I got tired of Ian and Gareth got tired of Ian texting us going, wait a minute. <laughs> wait. What did you mean by that? <laughs> uh, all right. Let's hop on to the next one. Uh, so I did not, I actively tried to stay away from any COVID-19 discussion. So okay. this one is, is steeped in the time, but it's talking about more so the culture. So you were talking, this is brother. Can you spare some confidence? Part three. Uh, COVID-19 seems to be fast-tracking where the world was already headed. Uh, what do you mean by that? Oh, it's great. Um, so uh, there's there's a lot of fun stuff in this. How do you unpack this question? In well, a I, very wanna, I feel pukey. This one's harder than the last one. Um, I love this. Uh, so so here's, here's something fantastic. Um, uh, okay, well, if we are on a certain trajectory, um, then that trajectory has an end. Mm-hmm. Right? It has a point where it's headed to. Um, and most people will be like, well, you can't possibly figure that out. Well, if we go back to like what like basic physics says, it says that any sort of vector that has a beginning point and a point where it currently is has a point where it has to go because it already has all of this momentum built up behind it, right? Vectors work. A lot of our culture is like that. We start from places, we go from assumption to assumption, and most of the time we do not have drastic departures, right? There are huge events that will make things change. But we don't seem to have drastic departures. Um, also, uh, if we think just individually about ourselves, then we all know that there are times when we have been on uh, systems of habit or things that we've been doing long enough, and then something in our life changes and it exposes what we were already doing but didn't realize it because now the circumstances are different. So you think of this in, in an easy example would be um, someone's bad with their finances. And it's not that big a deal because they got a really great job. Well, they get downsized. Their finances are not really any different in terms of spending, right? But their income definitely is different. Mm. The change in circumstance exposes the reality that already existed. So um, when you look at the, the, the culture of the United States um, and, you know, not remembering the exact context of, of that, that quote, um, It's exposing a lot of things that already were. Um, I think one of the things uh, that it drastically exposes is that uh, social media and digital connectivity is not good enough. Like, straight up. It's just not. I mean, like, terms have popped up in the last few months, like Zoom fatigue. You know, like, what the... Like, (laughs) yeah, no crap. Like, none of us are super excited about another Zoom meeting, right? Nobody's super excited about the, the the dinner you're having with a friend or a family member with their face in a computer. Mm. But we're sitting here like six months ago thinking about social media is like, oh my gosh, it's so great. I'm so connected. Everybody's sharing everything. And I'm just like, no, it's not. It wasn't great then. And it's not great now. It's just been exposed because we don't have the other thing, the actual connecting with humans. And so all this stuff looks like crap. Well, it looked like crap before. Mm. Nothing's changed except the fact that circumstances are a little different. And yeah. that's not the only thing. That's not, just a single example. Yeah, so, you know, it's like whatever um, 
weak points there are in, in what we're, what we're resting on. Yeah. Um, have been, they, they were going to give out, they're giving out faster and exposing what they can and cannot do. And good friend of ours, James, I'm just going to steal an idea that he, he expressed recently in a talk. He said something that he's like a, a sponge and the, he soaked the sponge up with water. And then when it was squeezed, what you get is water. But if the sponge is soaked up dirty water, when it's squeezed, what you get is dirty water. I thought it was a great analogy. He was talking about humans and in, in our, what we fill ourselves with this kind of thing. And so if you look at society has certain angles as a whole, like there are things, you know, so you, you got uh, uh, tensions around diversity, you got tensions around economics, you got tensions around race, you got tensions around global economy, you got tensions around, you know, uh, pol- political ideology. And then you've got these, um, you know, you've got a uh, great excess of artistic expression happening but very weakly supported in terms of infrastructure, right? In, yeah, in general, definitely. right. So restaurants yes. go away very quickly. We love them, but but they're gone, mm-hmm. right? So um, galleries shut down. Are you know? So there's the way in which things were headed, which is ex, you know a lot of people pushing for AI, pushing for um, you know life to be more firmly lived uh, digitally. Um, uh, we we uh, lust after in a lot of ways like uh, a virtual reality mm-hmm. that it, that allows us to remove the blights that we are experiencing now. So there's where our aspirations are being placed, and then there's where we're actually resting. Right? It's like my uncle. <laughs> this is a map. I hope my uncle Jeff's not listening. My uncle Jeff in the <laughs> hold that thought. My uncle Jeff in the late '80s had a Pinto. You remember what Pinto is? Yes. Really terrible cars. Yeah. God bless. So he and this is in the age of big. You know, big sound radio systems, booming mm-hmm. bass out of your the back of your car, speaker systems, hip-hop low. So he couldn't afford a nice car. So he primered his Pinto and built this ad hoc, awesome-sounding bass system in his car. And the thing was, the car, because it's a Pinto, foundationally couldn't hold <laughs> what he was trying to communicate to everybody else. And so it didn't matter what he did. It was a Pinto. You right. see what I'm saying? Yeah. And it just kept breaking down. It had the problems that Pintos have. There's a reason mm-hmm. why you could... You know, you you actually go get one on a lot by them giving you money. You know, um, <laughs> that's a word picture in a way of like society is like we. So we're pressurizing these systems and these uh, uh, methods and and um, that are actually now. Here's the thing though. Don't get me wrong. A pinto was made for transportation. So so right. it's not a deficiency at the level of its basic function. It's when it's uh, expected to do things it was never meant to do to such an extent that it can't hold up to it. Right. That's what we're dealing with. So the, the perceived collapses that people were speculating on have been expedited. So, so if, if we're like, hey, our food sources, our food supply, well, that just got expedited because now we're dealing with like uh, certain places not, you know, serving meat any longer. Like you're seeing it, what, what, what was going, what, what, where we were heading was going to be the case. Now it's happened sooner, which yeah. could be a grace to us. Because it could wake us up like smelling salts to go, oh, I maybe I should, maybe I, I was relying on the perceived connectivity of social media in a way that it couldn't uphold to. Yeah. Which means that tool now has a new freedom. And ca- if I can put it back into a better context, understand what it can do and not rely on it for what it can't. Yeah. I, you, you see what I'm saying? I um, think also, like, I mean, another thing that that makes me think of is, um, you know, I don't know, probably 20 or 30 different students I've had the same conversation with over the last three months. And that conversation is, hey, can we talk? Yeah, sure. What do you want to talk about? 
what am I going to do? Which is a completely valid question, right? Because like the world seems completely different because these circumstances have changed. And I've told them all the same thing. I'm like, you keep doing what you were doing because being an artist or a designer, it hasn't necessarily gotten harder. It's just much more visual how hard it is right now. Yeah, that's the point about all the galleries going away. Everybody was hustling to begin with. Yeah. It was never not mm. hard. Right. Now it's just, it's all, it's like, it's exactly what happens to schools when the budget, when, when then there's budget cuts, the arts go first. Yeah. Well, why is that? Because there's a, a base level assumption about the value of the arts, which means nobody ever goes, hey, we're going to have to cut math because, <laughs> yeah, the, you know, we're going to, we're going to keep the art program. You don't, we don't do that, which, which says that, at the depth of our fundamental assumptions, that's where we place culture making. Yeah. Um, at, and so, math. yeah. So when we're squeezed, what comes out? The order of our values and the priority of what we think matters most. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, and it's tough because like, you know, students are just like, well, but there's gotta be something more than just like continuing to make. And I'm like, no, that's, yeah, <laughs> that's the only constant in my career is yeah. continue to make. Right. I mean, yes, there's going to be different circumstances and yes, it might look different at times. Breaks but, and pauses. But you, you don't have a career in the arts if you're not making. Like, I still like that. I just have Oliver Jackson yelling in my head from his talk at the National Gallery. It's like if you're not making, you're not an artist. Yeah. Like, and he, he, this is a guy who's several decades of proof. Right. Yeah. He understands it. It's not not speaking like uh, flippantly about it. Right. But, you know, it's one of those things where um, it's exposing where we already were. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and I think the last thing uh, with this is there was a fantastic article I read a few weeks ago that a friend sent me. Um, thanks again, Philip, um, that Hi, a friend Philip. sent me. And uh, he the article was about talking about the fact that, like, the, the problem we're seeing right now is that we stopped being a culture that builds. We stopped being a culture that makes. Yeah. Instead, we've become a culture that's very consumeristic. Mm-hmm. right? And not in the sense that, you know, like, you know, sort of like sophomoric sort of arguments about consumerism is like, but in the sense of like, I'm here to absorb things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am here to take mm-hmm. not not the buy, buy, buy sort of stuff. But it's very much like I am a consumer of all things. I consume products. I consume people. I consume time. I consume entertainment. But I'm never turning that back around into a byproduct that is making something else. So when you get to a place where now you can't really share a lot of stuff in the ways we were, yeah, the, consuming the practice becomes of, so hollow. Yeah, That's interesting. Pra- That's what Elon Musk was just saying on the most recent podcast. I mean, it's so simple that it's it makes you laugh when you hear it. It's like, if you don't make things, things don't exist. I mean, it's, it's, it's funny. You guys, we, we feel like Netflix is a bottomless it. hole, but we got people yeah. three weeks into it. They're just like, I've seen it all. Yeah. I'm done. I'm but done. Uh, but also, yeah, if you're not, if you're only, if your only posture is in uh, um, a blinded passivity, mm-hmm. then you don't even know what being active looks like because it's not on your mm-hmm. radar. Yeah. So then you're operating out of a passive existence that you're charging with expectations that only an active existence can produce. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a, disconnect between those two points and it's it has to do with your orientation towards things because um you know if you're curating only to, to out of self-preservation well um and you're passive about it well you're, you're gonna have a very thin uh skin a thin set of outcomes and it's going to fall apart when squeezed yeah uh, on the other hand if you're just if you're making stuff you know you can you can be god bless the hobbyist but you can be the hobby, hobbyist and just as discontent because you're you're making is is um, uh, 
allowing you to uh, buy your time and escape. Um, and, and maybe only has a consequence for yourself, which is totally fine, but also you should know uh, how to balance that. You should probably go make friends and probably build connections and not only hide out with your train set forever. You know, yeah. like there's the person who model, tr- model train, love model trains, but you can give your life to something in a way that's insular also. Right. Um, but uh, proportionately, we are more prone to those kinds of expressions than they are the kind that you're talking about, that, mm-hmm. that article Philip said, which is to say, because to build society is to assume uh, perceived needs beyond your own. Yeah. Um, and to sacrifice self-gratification to the extent that you can imagine what it looks like to benefit somebody else. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's weightier, requires responsibility, character formation, and you can't be passive. Yeah, it's tough. It's that's hard. That's hard. Yeah. Not, that means that, so in a world that says everybody gets to, you, you rubber meets the road, everybody doesn't get to. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Some people can't. That sounds jerky, but well, I can't. It sounds, it sounds yeah. jerky if you don't follow it up with the other side of the equation, which is some people can't, and the other people that can, maybe they should. Yeah. Right? And so um, if you talk about, like, some people can't, and then other people won't, that's jerky. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Not the reality of can't, I think, but yeah. then the fact that it's met with people who won't. Yeah, like, I can't do uh, a slew of things. That, is a, that just means that I'm not meant to. Mm-hmm. Um and those doors being closed to me doesn't mean that I suck. It just means that I can't. There's a lot of things I just can't, simply cannot do. Yeah. And I, so I cannot dunk. Yeah. yeah never I have could, been able to. So I, I'm not going to, I can never, because I, because I so. Always, you <laughs> yeah. know, mid range to you three saw, point. Yeah. That's all. I, I was yeah. like, I'm not going to be driving the lane. That's right. It's not going to happen. Yeah. I didn't get down on myself. Yeah. I got down for on too you. long. <laughs> just. Just, just Don't po- worry, somebody else did. Dude. Just postering me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good times. I wish we could have played basketball in our heyday. It'd be fun. No, we'll just do old man basketball. Oh, gosh. We can do that. Yeah. <laughs> Pre-game a few ibuprofen and we can yeah. go. All right. Uh, I think the tail end of that leads into the next one nicely. Uh, brother, can you spare some confidence? Part two at the 40-minute mark. Uh, there is a collective thing happening in reaction to over-individualization, a zeitgeist, if you, if you will, that is bringing about the flavors of our culture to bear. What do you mean by that? Dang it. I would say see last answer. Yeah, see last answer. <laughs> Assume heavily last answer. Uh, it, I mean, what's up, what I love about every question you're asking is all of them really relate in my brain. Mm-hmm. Because if everybody is failing at their hyperbolic plans, mm-hmm. they're abandoning ship and going, hive mind, what do we do? And there's a great Spider-Man and his amazing friends episode from like 1982 called Swarm. And there's this alien. It's so specific. Yeah, there's this. I just watched it with my kids. Okay, so. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I, I was gonna. It so was, it was seminal. Thought yeah, you were pulling it out from the banks. I remember when I was fourteen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just watched it. We were like, let's go back. It's like, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so shout out Ava, Oliver, and Ivory. We watched um, this, you know, nostalgic cartoon, and this thing crashes on the planet, and it. It's like this. They're like, it's like a superpower and it's, you know, wicked. They're like, you know, letting you know it's a bad guy. But what it does is it like pulls all the bees from all over the swarms into one giant swarm and then it manifests a body and it communicates univocally and just says swarm, swarm. And then it zaps. (laughs) It's amazing. We just walk around the house. So then it zaps people and then the people sprout wings and their eyes go to, to be eyes and then they just go, I worship swarm. And so they still look individuated, but they're overwhelmed by their 
mindless uh, um, succumbing to the swarm. And so then it just creates this larger hive that just walks around going swarm and nobody says anything different than the other. That's just like the Borg from Star Trek. Yeah. Assimilate. Assimilate. <laughs> so so this so safe the pursuit of safety bleeds pe- an overreaction to perceived threats to uh, uh, the failings and the uh, trappings of over overexpressed individuality has people um, moving in the opposite direction. Because of uh, and, and because of a couple of things that we've talked about, and this is always going to sound like I'm being a total jerk, as if I don't struggle with these things too, which I can't stress enough. We're not just saying that as lip service. Like comes from experience. Yeah, if you know us, then you know that we're fairly real people and got problems. So, um, it is a, if 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 um, if on the one hand, self-aggrandizement, hyperbolic self projections leave leave us. Um, uh, how do I say this? Um, incapable of doing anything Mm -hmm. and i don't one of the problems in that equation is i don't take responsibility for the ordinary aspects of my life um the move to the hyperbolic um swarm self hive mind (laughs) still means i don't have to take responsibility yeah so in either case you're avoiding difficulty and responsibility which which impede upon the the uh, hedonistic bucket we talked about in the first of that series. Mm-hmm. So uh, pleasure is dropped way low. If And that's the perception. Oh, gosh, if I have to take responsibility and go to work today, I'm going to be a loser because I'm failing on X or Y. But I've got these guilty feelings inside. And maybe if I univocally join with others that agree with me, I will feel self-justified and better about myself. But at that point, you're still uh, relinquishing responsibility. So so you can't yeah. get away from it. It's like the the person who's like, I got a addiction with X. Typically when someone has an addiction with X, you'll find it in Y, Z, A. That same person is going to lack self-discipline and control in multitudes of areas. It won't just be in one area. They may only perceive it in one area, but it'll typically be across the board. So you can make a, make a lot of assumptions from there. And so that's what you're seeing at the multiplicitous level is um, the internet frames a flattened world to us that we get to experience the curation of, but we're curated first. So we've, we're, we're curated in first before we get to experience the make-believe curation. So we've, we've conceded uh, uh, our real individuality to an extent, which means our real responsibility uh, taking potential. Yeah. And so that's a trajectory we've been on. And so I don't know that that's part of I think of there's it. also like, there's a, there's something really interesting about the way that we uh, take individuality and we think of individuality uh, strictly as the expression, right? So it's, it's, the, it's the things I do, it's the things I say. Um, but we're, we're less, uh, less comfortable with dealing with like uh, individual thought, right? Like, like, and I think it probably goes back to the idea of responsibility, right? Where it's like, um, you know, I can take responsibility for maybe what I'm doing or how I'm expressing or whatever else for the experiences I'm taking part in, but I don't want to take responsibility for having to like, individually think through these things, you mm-hmm. know, to critically think about my life and the way it works. And again, it all comes back to the same thing. I think a lot of the stuff that, that, that we see that, that not just us, but a handful of people everywhere is all are always talking about. Uh, it, it comes down to the fact that like, it, it, there's a way of life that's just easier to deal with. Right. Um, at least in the immediate. Mm-hmm. Now you, you extrapolate this out over decades of your life. It, it makes some probably interesting things on the back end. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but you know, it's hard work to critically think about things in the world. It's hard work to wake up and go into your studio and spend a day working that maybe doesn't feel like it's as productive as you wanted it to be. Mm -hmm. It's hard work to be patient over multiple years to try to get that break or have that sale, uh, happen to a, you know, that's more than what you spend to make the work, right? It's, that stuff's hard and Mm -hmm. nobody's, nobody's minimizing that at all. But I think what we do need to recognize is like, just because it's hard doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. Yeah. Um, the work aspect of what we do, um, I think a lot of times just turns us off from it in places. Yeah, say, yeah, definitely. I, just, I mean, I think I it, don't want to do the work because the because the work is hard. It's th- therefore, it's not fun. Yeah. And if your premium in life is fun and comfort, if you have propensities towards fun and comfort, which are great things. Yeah. But fantastic. if that's what you're like, if that's where you build your bedrock then most everything that you do in your life is going to be difficult and things you probably won't persevere at, including a studio practice, because all of those threat your fir- threat are a threat to your first uh, yeah. desire, which is comfort and happiness. Which is funny because like limited I, sense. I don't know the last <clears throat> time I, I couldn't really tell you like the last time that I had something that I did something that was fun and comfortable, mm-hmm. but I've done plenty of things that I've had a great amount of enjoyment with. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But I do like, I really do like the stuff I do, even if it's hard. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I think there's actually a deeper sense of fun and enjoyment or whatever at the hard things, because when you complete them, you're like, oh, that's great. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, also, it's just that, just that great. that's that pre, pre-conscious stuff too, is our, our desires are out of whack with our, our, we put a high premium on feelings mm. and uh, not to become Spocks and not to stay Kirks, you know, so I'm not saying one or the other, but yeah, yeah. it's to say that um, we put a high high emphasis on this. So then what happens is feelings determine our, our actions and our outcomes. But a lot of times actions bring feelings about in a way that accord better with whatever you're doing. So there's plenty of times where I don't feel like whatever it is. Sometimes it's like, I don't feel like playing, you know, with my kid or something like that. Um, but then I do. And before you know it, they have me laughing and then, then we're like having, you know, a good time. Right. Right. More times than not, when good time, okay, I would just challenge anybody to think about either if they're in a relationship or when they were kids, depending, is when uh, a good time is planned to the point that the stress of achieving the good time is, ne- is allows you to never meet it. So the, the, the vacation that uh, you can't wait to get home from, where you've done everything on paper you hoped for, but you were miserable and exhausted. It, and exhausted because it was so post, it was so, I'm not anti-planning, by the way, everybody knows that, but it was so forced that you're, you know, it's going to look good. You know, like Elon Musk said about uh, online ghosts, you know, it's going to have a good online ghost life. It's going to look good on Instagram. The pictures are going to be there. I'm going to stage it all. But at the end of the day, I was miserable at the expense of the things I dreamed about for a year planning it. So there's something there where, um, we need to kind of uh, shift our, our understanding a little bit. And it, that means it's, it's gotta be messier Mm-hmm. But I, I will say to you, I do think actions better determine feelings. So like if love is an action before it's a feeling, you will find loving feelings occurring more often. If uh, art is meant to bring about satisfaction and you're dissatisfied, you will find that the more you make, the possibility of satisfaction showing up is better yeah. as opposed to waiting until like it's it's an orientation of action first because we're embodied beings, I think. And so I'm not saying that's the answer. I'm just saying, I think that's the thing we're not doing enough of, which is by the way, why? So 
prior to COVID, you know, anxiety is off the charts in America. Well, that's because Americans are made, uh, humans, sorry, humans are made or are, are the kinds of beings that are meant to build. So when everybody's in recline or repose and gorged on experiences without doing anything, it's going to make you anxious. Yeah, and I think, you know, if, Bed if sores. anybody out there is kind of pushing back about that, where they're like, what? Made to like, blah, blah, blah. Um, I mean, just think about each person as a kid. Like, what are the the major kid toys, right? Like, everybody loves Legos. Ain't nobody who doesn't love Legos. Facts. Just a thing. <laughs> Cardboard boxes and Legos, man. Yeah, people Woo! are building stuff out of trash, right? Yeah. You got kids. Toilet rolls. My kids, like, they got blocks, they got Legos. Like, it doesn't matter what else you give them. They're going to take uh, cardboard boxes, Legos, and wooden blocks, and they're going to play with those all day. Mm-hmm. They're going to build that stuff. Yeah, proposition, just, speculation, mm-hmm. imagination. It's all there. Yeah, it's all the and, – and the thing is, like, we don't we don't age out of that, right? We don't level up and we're just like, I don't have to make anything now. Yeah. I don't have to build anything. <laughs> Got old enough for that. <laughs> yep, done doing yeah. now. I'm just going to rest now and do yeah. what? Retire into fun experiences. It's, it's a sham. It is, you know. Because by the time you get there, you're too old to do what you were fantasizing about when you started. Yeah. Oh, and also, let's, like, let's just yeah. – I mean, I'm just going to say this because I don't, I don't mind being the blunt guy on the show, I guess, but – the uh, when it comes down to it, like if you were listening to this, you're an artist or a designer, and you're having problems with us saying that we are people that are uh, made to build and make, then uh, you maybe should question a lot of your career choices. Yeah, yeah. By the way, Gareth told me he was really grouchy I'm sorry, the last couple I, days. I brought it with me. Yeah, Gareth came here grouchy, <laughs> so he told me I, I have to act as his check and balance. So he's feeling snarky today. <laughs> well, I mean, sometimes it, I feel snarky. <laughs> Gareth is overtly snarky today. Well. <laughs> Uh, I think this one, because you, this might be strange to ask, cause you at least acknowledge when you mention this is that this might need a whole podcast in itself, uh, inspired by actual events at the one hour, six minute, 30 second mark. You said, we think pop culture is trivial on the one hand, very fun on the other hand, inconsequential. So we don't think it has any influence on, on us yet. It's utterly shaped us. Yes. What did you mean by that? Yes. We, we domesticate. Well, okay, so we we overestimate our ability to not be affected or influenced. Mm-hmm. So we overestimate it. I'm not affected or influenced. Yeah, I'm not affected or influenced. So it's like, okay, I'm going to sound like a you know extreme conservative here or something, but let me let me give you an, a kind of a intense example. So pornography, let's just say. Folks are watching that for decades, and everybody goes, ah, it's no big deal. Um, it's no big deal. That's just, they're not hurting anybody, and, and um, you know, it's for each individual, right? So the idea is that everything is contained with you, the individual. It's safe because it's, it's your choice. It's within you. There's no responsibility beyond that. It's adults making decisions. Now, on the one hand, it's, it's all adults making decisions. That's true. But uh, years of that has proven that um, whole ecosystems of society are destroyed families, marriages, imagine a society that is always titillated. Always. Human beings are not the kind of beings that can live in a heightened state of titillation. You can't. Uh, You have to have release from that. Anybody who's ever been in a sexual relationship knows that. So um, when certain facets are denied, it creates um, problems. And those problems aren't accounted for because of the naive assumption that it doesn't affect me. So now you're, it's like the person who is like suffering from the effects of, um, dehydration, but instead of going to get a drink of water, they go to a doctor's and then the doctors try to treat symptoms and it creates a bill. It, it eats up time. 
and now you're going to alternative medicine and then you know you keep going with it now you're influencing and affecting all these other people all while you could have just drank a glass of water i'm thirsty so i lit some sage yeah yeah you see but so i mean so so there's this idea that because out of the overinflate itself it's got to be something more than that it can't just be that i need to drink some more water in my my diet but so we're we're prone to that we're prone we're prone to then look at like you know um i I give you an example for me i grew up in uh enough of a way where i listened to hip-hop and like rap from the time i was five so by the time i was 18 19 20 21 22 i mean i have like a pretty large world of voices and music and phrases and attitudes and sayings and so people would say things like you know hip-hop and violence and you're like, no, nah, there's no correlation there. There's no correlation. It didn't affect me when I listened to that stuff. And, um, and so, uh, you know, but I, what I found was once I stopped listening for a while is uh, certain habits of attitude and tone did change. Like I, I didn't feel as aggressive towards people, like, which is not to demean the genre of music. It's to say that it had an influence. It wasn't just pop culture. It actually was real, real people with real points of views using influenceable and powerful mediums to convey ideas that wash over you over time mm-hmm. and shape you. So there, there's no neutrality to it. If you endlessly watch Jerry Springer, which whole swaths of culture did, society starts to look like Jerry Springer. Why is that? Because it made something seem more palatable and acceptable to our eye and more co- concordant with our own personal existence such that people started living out the Jerry Springer show. Yeah. Right. I mean, I'm using extremes in the negative, but it's mm. to say that in every sense. It's like um, uh, all you need Instagram to do is start promoting. I'm going to I'm going to start promoting like a certain look. And all of a sudden, everybody's following that look. All you need to do. Right. And so so what happens? I'm far from that. Look, I got to get Botox and you see people doing it. So if if right now I'm gonna try to make one up if if um, the new look, the right people shave a stripe down the center of their head and pierce three points the front the top and the back, all it takes is that to happen a couple times, and now you're dealing with kids wanting it and parents fighting with their kids with no categories for how to negotiate these things. Before you know it, you have people rebelling to do it. You have you know celebrities doing it, and before you know it, it's it has changed some sense of who we are. You have to submit to the machine to feel like you're curating. So you have to be curated first before you can sense curation in that passive way, right? In mm-hmm. that Wally kind of way where you're told to wear blue or green. And so the more, so what happens is to, in order to kind of like uh, create a sense of uniqueness or shock or, or difference, uh, things tend to become more absurd and more base level mm-hmm. and um, harder to discern as meaningful in any kind of communicative way that is um, spoken or so it's intuitive felt, but not um, and it, it creates greater license to carry on, you know, and I'm not regulating that per se, but I am saying that um, at the heart of it, we want what we want uh, and we want the convenience to say it's not hurting anyone so we can have it which is another way of saying I'm not interested in responsibility taking because to negate, deny myself something is to say I'm going to take responsibility for others by taking responsibility for myself as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say no to that so that I'm not a burden, right? 
uh, over here with, uh, you know, whatever, um, you know, like the person who's looked at certain things too much that they're, they become distorted in their looking perhaps, or, you know, it's like me, for instance, like, um, I've sincerely have struggled with my weight back and forth. My, you know, my, since my thirties, since I turned 30 and, um, you know, uh, uh, for some reasons I can't understand cause I'm not like eating like a house, but COVID-19, I put on a lot of weight, like, and what's tough about that is it doesn't just affect me. It affects my kids. It affects my wife. It affects my friends because my countenance, my disposition is different. I, I become insecure. I start to carry myself differently. And then I let it boil over typically. And then I bring that burden to a doctor who is a real person, not a robot. So then that real person is having to bear undue weight from my inability to take reasonable and consistent and steady responsibility for myself. So that's just, these are just easy examples for me, right? To, to kind of say that it doesn't take much to get from point A to point B as far as what I mean by this. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you know, it's like, the, it's like the person who can never get enough and now they're looking at really inappropriate stuff online, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's gotten to a point where it's like unethical to a level that could put them away, right? Yeah. But because there's no, there's no baseline, they can't stop. Um, or, you know, in the art sometimes, like things become... Uh, uh, shocking for the sake of interest at a level that some of the people doing that stuff would have never dreamed of or wanted to do, Uh but they've agreed to their first supposition, which is I want to be a maker, a cultural influencer, you know, and uh, we don't steward it well. And so we end up doing trivial things, which is interesting, by the way, because I've always said in times of war, you would see a lot of this shook down because there's certain things we won't grab onto in a good way. Uh, you know, like you're, if you got to choose, you're going to, uh, an external looming threat will impose a, you know, an order to your decision-making. Oh yeah. You won't fight about certain things as much with each other. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing I was thinking with this is, um, just kind of the idea of the, like, um, I don't know how, how critically does a fish think about the water they swim in? Right. And that's the way I kind of think about pop culture in that respect is it's all there, right? It's ever present. Um, now the water that fish is in is definitely going to have some influence on it, right? Because it is literally what they're in. Um, and so, uh, you, you focus too much on the water. You miss a whole lot of stuff as a fish. You focus not at all on the water, then you're not really being that responsible in some right. ways. But I think, you know, when I think about this, um, the thing that comes to mind immediately is, um, you know, been at a university long enough now to see that when a freshman or sophomore class is uh, kind of coming in, you will see things that they are making that look very similar to things they were uh, consuming in pop culture two to five years before they came to school. Yeah. So there's a there's a kind of um, way that that pop culture even has that influence on the way we we make or yeah. what we make or how we make, right? So um, let's say you're watching some folks that you subscribe to on YouTube that do making or building or whatever else. And you can see how quickly those things change, right? Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no, there's no thought about like why they're making it. They're saying, mm-hmm. Oh, these are the colors. These are the trends. These are the things. And it comes in quick and it burns out quick. Yeah. I know? mean, so pop culture has a, a place and a power Yeah, and it shapes mm-hmm. and there's no question about it. No question about it. Um, and power is not the same as shallow. And so you can have right. a powerful shaping influence that maybe lacks uh, a, a depth that sometimes we want 
Sometimes we can't afford to, to wade in deep, and so you need it at a pop level. Sometimes there's depth to pop stuff, but uh, um, we deal in the economy of pop culture. That's what we put all our money and time to. Is there a world where we're carrying other people upside down? I mean, I, I, uh, the I, one we're living in. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say, it might actually <laughs> that's the one. We're I think in. it's already there. It's it's yeah. that's no. If if it's happening, that's yeah. the world. You don't get there overnight. So if it's happening, um, this is the same world that uh, um, Eve's Klein was using women's bodies naked and painting paintings with them mm. you know, in front of beat poets and you know sixties uh, you know swingers. And so um, you know, if anything, uh, that's not uh, radical enough. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty tame and kitsch. I mean, if we're playing the progressive avant-garde uh, narrative, um, so you have to have another metric to talk about it. Uh, otherwise, so it's, um, yeah. So yeah. anyhow, and it's uh, not to like eviscerate pop culture. No, no, no. I mean, that's the thing. So to say it, to say it's just to say that the paradox of on the one hand, ah, doesn't mean anything. Yeah, but on the other hand, we're putting all our money, and time, and experience to it. It definitely is having an impact on us. So that's oh, yeah. what mm-hmm. that's what the heart of it is. It's like you can't have it both ways. It actually does do something. It does mean something, and it demands more of you if you're willing in terms of of what you put. So if we start putting our money and our time towards certain things, and we stop others, we can shut down whole institutions if we wanted to. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. The, one of the biggest things I ever heard from somebody is when they said that every time you buy something, and those little barcodes go beep across there. You're casting a vote. Yeah, you're like, always voting for something. I mean, so. buying is like beepers don't exist anymore. No, if, if for people real. wanted beepers, they'd be here. They'd be here still. Yeah, but we we can't choose what we've never had before. I mean, it's it's there's a lot of yeah, there's I mean, a lot in it. But. Consumption is the most regular form of democracy that we take part in. Totally. There's a quote. Right. Well, you guys talk a lot about um, responsible making. I think in that same sense, responsible consumption, like treating 100%. your brain yeah. like it is the influenceable sponge yeah. that it is. So I don't think anything that you guys said is like knocking down pop culture. It's more so just like pointing where it's at. Yeah. It's like highly esteemed. It's especially when, you know, something goes through and it really does pop through the culture. Yeah. All right. So uh, part two of our little game show today is uh, What's who it said that? What's it called? It's called who said that? Okay. <laughs> So, so this so is the sub this part, sub game in the in this the, is the sub game, and this is this is just on you two to take responsibility for your words oh and gosh. own them as best as possible. So okay, who so said that? How I've about re- this? So so read the quote to mm-hmm. us, and then we'll each cast our vote, and you tell us who's right. Okay, all right. There we and go. We'll, we'll see what we That's can. That's the pull best out way to this. go about it. Okay. All right. um, so I've pulled these quotes just from as scattered as much as possible. I I had a bunch of note pages that every once in a while something would just. I just had to write it down because it and of itself, just by itself, without its context, is beautiful. So <laughs> let's. I'm so uh, scared. I'm so scared. Yeah. Uh, where should I start? Maybe I should start with a really easy one. How about I'll start with an easy one? Um, you get to be so neutral right now. Eating at my favorite place, Taco Bell, which is everybody else's favorite place, it should be. Who said that? Oh, I'm going to vote Ryan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd like to think um, that is uh, a part of the hive mind experience and that everybody's saying that, but it's definitely me. Hive mind, Taco hive. Bell. Swarm, Taco Bell. Swarm. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad that was put out there. I didn't ask Ian to do that, by the way. He's really his own agent. He's done all this hard work. I so. am my own agent. Yeah. Uh, all right. It was kind of like playing Tetris with toilet rolls. Who said that? Oh, gosh. I think Gareth said that. I think Ryan said that. Gareth's right. Gareth. <laughs> no, no, you're no. right. Oh. Ryan said that. What? <laughs> what? I said that? Oh. You said that. Dude, I could have <laughs> swear you said that, Gareth. No. Really? 
That's great. I sincerely, I'm, I mean, I'm going to be fully honest with these. If you ask me to put $5 on the table, I would say Gareth said that. That, you that means lost we're becoming $5? one, Gareth. All right. In an age where everything is in your brain, where do you go for ideas? Who said that? I think that's Gareth. I think it's me. It's Ryan. Dang. What? (laughs) You're so bad at this game. (laughs) Dang it. This is tricky, dude. Oh, yeah. Tell me again. Uh, In in an age where everything is in your brain, where do you go for ideas? That's a great quote. It is, dude. <laughs> Congrats, man. It's a good one. I mean, I guess, you know. The, I'm the, just channeling something else. I don't think. Dude, we're, you know, going on, uh, you know, 10 years of, of a relationship, I guess you just yeah. start to yep. not have any clue. <laughs> yeah, we talk so much. You can keep track. I don't even know what I said from podcast to podcast. So That's what I'm here for. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> All right. Uh, this is me thinking on the Uber spot. Could be dumb. This has to be Gareth. Who do you think? I don't know. I, I'm just, I'm just I thinking. I think it's me, actually. I, I'm, I'm just thinking, like, I don't know that I would say Uber Spot, but I think Ryan might. Ryan said it. Yeah, I think it's me. <laughs> that's just that one phrase. You emphasized like, Uber phrase. real hard. Yeah. Uber. This is me. Uh, I remember saying that, actually, so I can get that one. That was recent. Uh, this one I like. I am not yet what I will be. That is definitely Gareth. That's Gareth. Oh, man. Sorry. I like, no, I was like, that's totally. Because here's the thing. The reason why I know that that's Gareth is because they've all been me so far. So you're going to have to give a Gareth close up No, that, I was sitting He said that, and I was like, I totally said that. Yeah, that, you totally did. I remember you saying it. <laughs> all right. I, I liked this one. Uh, be on the lookout and check your emails regularly for the post-apocalyptic MacGyver show. That is Gareth. That's me. I remember, yeah. that. I remember saying that. That's a great quote, though. It is. It is a great quote. That was a great whole segment of that podcast about acid wash jeans and everything. It was great. <laughs> it was so good, dude. That's like, right. It's one of my favorite moments on this show. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm sitting in my room cultivating my mind palace. Who said that? I feel like that's something I would say in a really snotty way. <laughs> I'm torn. I, I feel like either one of us could say that. Oh, easily. I don't know, man. I, I really don't. I think I'm going to say me. That was Gareth. Dang. <laughs> so weird, dude. I, I, man, I'm of, legitimately answering these questions. Yeah. Out of context. Out of context, really context is really hard. Know what I was talking about. Yeah. I'm sitting in my room cultivating my mind palace. That's hilarious. <laughs> I love that. There, there's, what do you mean? <laughs> you don't beautiful. need context for that. That's just like an axiom. That's a self evident <laughs> truth. Yes. Like you just, that's, that's my old. Uh, uh, AOL Instant Messenger away <laughs> yeah. post. Yeah. Sitting in my room exactly. contemplating my mind yeah. palace. <laughs> contemplating oh my, my mind palace. My, my Facebook status from 2012. There has to be some, some there's some joking in that one. So there has yeah. to be. Oh, definitely. There's yeah. no way there's I no would way. say that seriously. Yeah. And, but I, you said I said it. So. You said I said that? No, that was Gareth. Gareth, Gareth did yeah. say that. Okay. Oh, man. Gareth. Yeah, Gareth said that one. All right. Uh, when you're playing virtual reality, the one who wins is the one who isn't playing it. Oh, man. That's a great quote. Didn't. Either of us say that? Yeah. I, <laughs> what I was, I'm like, are you smuggling? I don't in? have any trick ones. No. Okay. <laughs> Man, that's like a, that's like a, uh, like a lawn chair Foucault oh, quote yeah. right there, man. That's pretty good. <laughs> um, Place your bets. I think I think Ryan said that. I don't know. You gotta make a guess. Don't break the rules of my made-up game. Uh, Garrett said it. You said it, Ryan. 
<laughs> Dude, Say it again. That is great, man. Uh, when you're playing virtual reality, the one who wins is who isn't playing. Is the one who isn't playing. Yeah, that's, that's a good, good quote. quote. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, can, I, I don't can, know if I'd ever say that again. I, mean, I think, you know, yeah. one day in your future, you might get a, a wooden plaque on your wall from me that says that. <laughs> that's right. It just goes over your front door. Yeah. <laughs> out of right. context. Out of context. <laughs> Weird everybody out as they leave your house. Uh, he looked like the effects of a lot of beef jerky. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, uh, that's, that's I, dude, I, I, I know, I, I know when this was said, but I cannot tell you which one of us said it because we were both feeling it. Uh, I, th- I think Ryan said it, and I think, and it, and it was, it was all about Ken, man. It was all about Ken. Uh, was it? It was about Ken. You said it. Gary said it. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. I I could have sworn that you said it like under your breath too. I was like, what was that? (laughs) What was that? I need to grab that because I swear that as as Ken walked out and passed Ryan, like I could have sworn that he just was like he looked like a lot of beef jerky. (laughs) Ken, we love you if you're listening. Yeah, Yeah. dude, where are you in quarantine right now? Hit us up. Hit us up, man. We haven't heard from you in a while. He's at the James. I know that. Uh, let's see. <laughs> it's a long time to be there. <laughs> uh, let's see. A focus requires sacrifice of other freedoms. Who said that? Oh, man. This is way harder I mean, than I would have thought. It's tough because, like, I have said things like that yeah. before. So I don't know who said it then. I'm going to go with Ryan on this one. Let me go with Garrett. Garrett said it. Dang it, man. I, I was on a <laughs> hot know your isms, So man. here's what we I'm have tanking. to do. So here's what I'm going to, can I add a rule? Hmm. Next time we do this, we need to keep score. Oh, so there yeah. there is a winner. Okay. Well, then, you know. I feel like you've definitely lost. I've I definitely lost. <laughs> I have lost this one in the throats. So that's why I'm like, uh, say for, for next time. That's great. <laughs> give me a fair chance again. I got to come back better. Um, I think I have just one more. I've been going around a little bit. Uh, if it's tied into our being, the being a maker isn't something that's earned. It's something we do when we do it. I'm going to say I said that. I think that, that sounds like a Ryan thing. That was a Ryan. Yeah. That was a Ryanism. It is. Uh, <laughs> let's see. I think that's all of them. Oh, nope. That is all of them. Okay. <laughs> You lost, Ryan. Gareth is the winner. <laughs> Tell him what he's won, Bob. <laughs> so this has been great. I think this has been really fantastic. Uh, hopefully, y'all out there listening think it has been, too. This will be the first of many times we bring Ian back for this because, uh, like we said, he is uh, meticulously cataloging all of the things yeah. we say <laughs> like that AI. are confusing. Ian, Ian, you have any closing words before we, we close? You got yeah. We, we appreciate up? you doing this work and, and yeah. having these ideas and coming on and being a part of the team. So. This has been in the making. You know, this was in the vision. So oh, we're, definitely. We're happy to be here at this uh, point in our lives together. No, I'm just so thankful for you guys. I really do listen to you guys a lot and really take a lot of the things that you've said at heart. I mean, you said it. It's, it's been 10 years. Like, I don't yeah. think I've had that thought of that amount of time. It's crazy. Has gone by. So, I don't know. It's, it's the same thing we've been talking about throughout is like uh, basically being in touch with your influences, how you're influenced. And I, I couldn't possibly ever say that you guys haven't had an influence on me that is uh, wonderful, I think. And I think this has been a blast. I yeah. love the podcast. Obviously, I listen to podcasts all the time. So to actually yeah. be in, in the stratosphere of the sharing is uh, awesome. I, I will say that right now um, I've been 
sort of taking a like a serotonin detox is what they're they're calling it online and just taking a step back and taking this time to really concentrate on myself and like what I want and deepen my relationships as much as possible uh and in this there is this hope this sort of um uh hail mary that's going to be happening in July it was originally part of the plan that uh me Eli and Christina were going to be doing a show at Black Iris which would yep. probably also be our last time that we get the opportunity to show with them so and it seems like the timing is coming together yeah um it great. could be miraculous enough to be the first first Friday out of all of this stuff and so we're calling the show silver lining uh and if it comes out together and if it all manages to somehow synchronously pull together I I'm gonna be pushing that real hard and show that this whole time throughout this break I've been working diligently yeah. making as much work as possible so I hope you guys would uh, be able to come and I hope yeah. the whole city and anyone listening to this podcast you guys are listening to like in Australia right yeah yeah, yeah. maybe yeah, people want to get Melbourne. out of your country a little bit yeah come on come, over come to it. <laughs> And one, 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 one good plug too is you know before Gareth and I ever talked about podcasts years before that uh, Ian Ian and Eli, Eli used to be in my class and would tell me, your class is like a podcast. And then, and dude, if you ever do like a podcast, and Ian for years would be like, dude, you should do a podcast. And Ian uh, pounded into my brain. So, you know, in some ways, you know, from my end of the equation, you know, Ian was definitely a catalyst to that. So, you know, it's kind of great to be full circle. And then lo and behold, Gareth was dreaming about doing a podcast for a long, long time. And yeah. so we hadn't shared that with each other, but it all... It all happened when it was supposed to. Mm -hmm. So, so with that rhythm, I'm excited about us being at this point, and I'm excited yeah. to see how this develops. No, this, it has too, especially yeah. going through some of the older. Because I'm like, I wanted to pick up on something that you guys mentioned in that podcast. Even the production difference, it's like so immediately. But I mean, your your voices have refined, your thoughts have refined. I mean, both you guys have learned to just you know, do this dance yeah. uh, far better in such a short... And it's only like 40 episodes, you said, right? Or yeah. this yeah, is going to be the 40? Just a little, just a little That's over insane. A year. That's yeah. crazy. I mean, there's so many podcasts, you know, that are on like 1,200 and beyond, and yeah. uh, they're still like kind of figuring it out. Yeah. So it's just, it's one of those things in the same way, like we were talking about earlier, it isn't always obvious how each brick is building the, the bigger hole. Yeah. And sometimes when uh, you, you come back in or you take like an, an overview and actually walk through kind of this road that you've been laying so far, it's like, oh, we're, you're actually going somewhere. It's, yeah. it's coming together. So yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. Yeah, we are awesome. building towards something. So. Yeah, 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 definitely. All right. Well, well, like always, thanks so much for uh, sitting down with us for the last, you know, what, almost hour and a half. Uh, we appreciate what it. did you mean by that with ENCS? <laughs> and don't worry, we will be back with future installments of yes. What Did You Mean By That what did you with ENCS. <laughs> but we love you guys. Thank you for being a fantastic audience. Thank you, guys. Check you later. You've been listening to Shaco Art Speak, a production of Shaco Art Space. We are an independent, nonprofit art gallery in Richmond, Virginia. We can be found online at shacoartspace.com and in real life in historic Shaco Bottle.